Even though this podcast was recorded in July 2020 during the time of the COVID pandemic, um, I don't want you to think that this doesn't apply to you. Really, the concepts and the whole idea of, is now the time to homeschool right for me? The concepts and the things that we will be talking about are timeless. So don't begin the, the podcast and think, oh, they're just talking about COVID. This is no longer relevant. No, this, this is relevant for you no matter when you're listening. Enjoy the podcast. Mom, we often feel overwhelmed, exhausted, and inadequate when raising kids. But who you are matters. Mom Matters walks alongside you to inspire you with the hope of the gospel and a vision of motherhood so you can intentionally and skillfully foster your family, maximize your impact, and leave a legacy. Motherhood is messy. Impact is possible. And Mom, you matter. So welcome to the tribe. Hi, this is Elizabeth Green. Welcome to this episode of Mom Matters. Today, we're going to be talking about the question, is now the time to homeschool? And this is a really relevant topic for us, really for any time, but especially during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic, education and school has been a little bit um, wonky for the last few months, for lack of a better word. And we're wondering, as school starts up in the fall, what will it look like? Will Will it be the right fit for my kids? And if not, should I shift and homeschool? For many of you as moms, you may never have even in your wildest dreams have thought you would be asking yourself the question. It might never have even been on your radar, should I homeschool? And yet now you see a need. You see a need for your kids, what was best for them. And you're wondering if this is right for your family at this time. And so I want to tackle that question with you today. And I want to take a tack of being really big picture for this. Because I think when we enter into this idea of should I homeschool again, we want to be thinking, well, what is the purpose of education? What do I want for my kids? What is the purpose of what I'm trying to do for them? What I'm trying to give them? And how has education changed over the years? It has changed dramatically over the last few hundred years, even the last 50 or 10 years. But education has changed. So how has that changed? And how has that impacted how my kids are being educated, what they're being taught, and as a result of all of these things, is perhaps now the right time for me to consider homeschooling my kids? So that's the where we're going to take this. And I think you will find this to be really helpful. As I was researching this subject, I learned so much along the way. And I think you will learn a lot too. So I want to really start with the big picture of what is the goal of education and what is the purpose of education? If I were to ask you, what would you say is the goal of education? Many of us would probably say, well, the goal of education, of course, is to get a job. It is utility. Really, it's utilitarian. We need to get a job. And so that would be probably a pretty common thing that you would say. It would, would be what I would say when people say, well, why do your kids need a good education? Well, of course, we say they need a good education because they need to get a good job. I want to take a look, though, at the purpose of education and the, at the goal of education from a classically Christian perspective. Because the goal of education was and has been, and I really believe is, to nurture a soul that lasts forever. God has created us as human beings. We are created in 
his image, and he has given us a soul that will last forever. And the purpose of education is to nurture that soul and to produce great thinkers. We want our kids to grow up to be people who can wrestle with big ideas and to be good thinkers. Another goal of education is to appreciate what is true, what is beautiful, and what is good. And we can really only understand the true, the good, and the beautiful if we know that God is their source. If we believe that God has created all things, he is the source of all things, he is the sustainer of all things, then we will be able to understand what is truth, what is beauty, what is goodness. A third goal of Christian education is to look at each subject from a Christian worldview. Now, you might be asking, well, what exactly is a Christian worldview? And a, a, a worldview in general is a set of beliefs through which you understand the world. So it's your, it's your belief about the nature of God. Who is God? What is he like? What are people like? What are humans like? Your understanding of right and wrong. And all of these, your viewpoint of those things are going to influence your attitude of the world. And so as a Christian, we believe that we should be looking at Education is looking at each subject, looking at the world from a Christian viewpoint, because God is the creator and sustainer of it all. A fourth goal of education from a Christian perspective is to develop a godly character. Now, this is not moralism and it's not socialization. It's really having Christ's character formed in me. And that's a part of education from a Christian perspective. So as we compare that with, with what's happening in a modern um, setting, you see immediately that there's some classroom challenges for having those goals met. Souls can't really be nourished in a classroom. There are just too many of them for a teacher to realistically be able to disciple them. There are also time constraints. They that time constraints don't allow for contemplation and for this wrestling with big ideas. A teacher, pragmatically speaking, has got to stay on track to cover the material in the allotted time. So even if the students begin to get excited about an idea and really want to wrestle through it, you just have to move on and let it go. Modern education system is also focused on producing products. You've got to have good test scores. It's a test and assess environment. The good test scores equal more money for the districts, and that's important to have the best education, the best teachers, the best materials, of course, as well. And in really any school setting, you're going to need to stick with the facts to be tested rather than ideas to be contemplated because you can't really very easily measure the contemplation of ideas on an exam. You know, how is this idea impacting your heart and your character and helping you grow into a godly person? That is much more subjective than an objective fact that you can, can test. And also in the training of teachers, we have so many great teachers out there, but in the training of teachers, the, the training becomes more in the practical methods and the techniques of how do you manage a classroom and what are the, the, the best practices for teaching in a classroom environment, rather than focusing on how do you develop good thinkers. And so there's just some, some classroom challenges as we look at uh, the purpose of education, the purpose of 
Christian education and how it is implemented, um, practically speaking, in an environment of a, a school setting. So that covers broadly speaking, with very broad brush strokes, the purpose of education from from a you know thirty thousand foot you know view looking down at it. Where has education come from, though? I think it's very important for us to look at what education was like um, in our history. Where was it? Where was it at the founding and, and at the starting of our of our country? So that'll take us back to the first Great Awakening, which came into our country from the 1720s to the 1740s. So well before our American Revolution. This was during the colonial period of our time. And the majority of the, co the colonists who came, not all, but a majority of the colonists had held to a Christian worldview. And many of the pastors during that time were imploring their congregation to read the Bible for themselves. They wanted the, their people to read scripture on their own. And so this led to an increase in schools. And schools were built for the purpose of teaching children to read so that they could read the Bible. And revival included, this revival period of the First Great Awakening included the founding of a number of universities, including Brown University, Rutgers, um, Princeton, and Dartmouth College are among some of those that started during this time. Interestingly, Harvard College stated that one of their original precepts was for every student to be instructed to consider um, the main end of his life and the main end of his studies was to know Jesus Christ and God who is eternal life. It was straight out of John 17, 3. And the whole idea was to know God, to know Jesus Christ, and to lay Christ as the bottom and only foundation for all sound knowledge and learning. This was a precept of Harvard University. And um, Stephen McDowell wrote a book called America's Providential History, and he talks about some of the ways where God's um, hand has been involved in our history. And he really talks about how knowledge apart from God and his truth is little better than complete ignorance is what he states, because he says most important aspect of education is the imbuing of moral principles. And he, he asserts that really all education is religious because it imparts a basic set of principles and ideals. And all education provides a worldview, a lens through which you see the world. And how the youth are educated today is going to determine the course a nation will take in the future. So we can look at what education is like today and have a projection of what our nation will be like in 50 years. Another way of looking at this is we can look at today and then we can look back and say, what has education been like for the last 50 years that has gotten us to where we are today? So what happened? What happened if it started, if education during the first great awakening started as let's teach people to read so that they can read scripture so that they can know God and make him known? What has shifted so dramatically since then? Well, the Enlightenment came in the 18th century, and this was an intellectual revolution. And really, this became the age of reason. And this was where people explained the natural world and people's role in it. 
purely on the base of reason. And so faith began to take a back seat to thinking and thought. It sort of separated reason and faith up from, from each other. And naturalism became the philosophical worldview. It was no longer the Bible. It was more naturalism. Naturalism is the view that the natural world is made of matter and energy, and that's all that exists. In other words, there's no God. There's no God that exists. There's no supernatural. It's just the physical world. All that you can see is all that's here. So, so think through the, the, the results of that. If there's no God, then there's really no morality. The Ten Commandments are rooted in a faith. They're rooted in that God gave these morals to humanity. But naturalism, there is no one universal moral code. There's also no purpose or um, no design to this world. There's no cumulative history. It's not as if history is going toward a cumulative end. Creation becomes an accident. Man doesn't have a soul because he's not created in the image of God. And he can sort of be manipulated however the experts please. So naturalism, this philosophy of naturalism has impacted education greatly. How? Well, we traded in the idea of truth, beauty, and goodness for pragmatism. The idea of the goal is to get a job, pay taxes, function in society. Education became, began very pragmatic. It wasn't just something for you to enjoy. Learning was not for your enjoyment as well, of your, as, well as for your benefit. It was just um, reduced. Learning was reduced to sort of this end goal of selfish gain. Um, thinking was not as important as learning the right facts. You have to learn facts to function vocationally versus understanding and contemplating God's created order. So there was a shift there. There's also a shift toward an atheistic worldview. Evolution became um, around that time in the 1850s, circa 1850, you've got Darwin and you've got Darwinism coming in. And human beings really don't have any intrinsic worth. Um, they're really no different than the animal world or the created world. They're an endangered tiger is just as valuable as a human. There's not um, an intrinsic worth of humans made in God's image. And faith also became a private affair. There's no, no moral code. All is now relative. And this whole idea, now we have to be open. There's openness and tolerance to to all ideas are equal. And so this is how naturalism has impacted education over um, the course of, of time. So what is the solution? The solution for, for, for Christians would be to remember that education is really not just pragmatic. It's not just to learn um, how to, to have the goal of getting a job. It's really about educating the whole person, the head and the heart. It's about feeding the soul as well. And so there's there's been a contrast and a shift in some of the ways as well that education has has changed. Multiculturalism became probably about 40 years ago, multiculturalism education shifted to to that worldview, which is really a viewpoint that's very critical of Western roots. It strongly emphasizes imperialism, slavery, 
and historic Christianity as being what's wrong with our nation. Um, before multicultural came in, we had a more of a Western education perspective. I think you can recognize the great contribution of Western culture while still recognizing the beauty in other cultures and realizing that there have been really great triumphs in Western culture and also great challenges and failures in Western culture. You can do both. You can look at the good and the bad. But modern education really has shifted to this more naturalistic, secular, values-neutral worldview. This shift in philosophy and this shift in culture has really created an environment that's challenging for our students to get the kind of education that they deserve. They are now just encountering drugs in, in school, suicides, bullying. They're in an environment that is not conducive to them really being able to learn from a place of rest. And some of them, even with school violence, fear for their very lives as they walk into their, their school institution. And so you may be asking, just in light of all of this, in light of the, 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 the big picture of homeschooling and the big picture of what education is all about and the shift in how education has changed over the years, is this time is this the right time for me to create an environment in a home setting where I can help my kids um, learn from a place of rest and really learn um, how to wrestle with big ideas and to become this person of future and to become a good thinker? I think of the challenge that our kids have ahead of them and what we're trying to prepare them for. Our students have been called as to serve as, as citizen leaders in our republic. This is how our country was designed. This is how our nation was designed to be a nation of citizen leaders. This is what they were called to. They're also called to be ministers of the gospel. As, as believers, they are called to know God and to make him known that is a part of who they are learning to be. We want them to be able to speak well on the issues of the day, to be excellent writers and good communicators, both verbally and, and with the pen. We want to prepare our kids to be self-governing, um, that they will be able to lead themselves well so that they can lead others well. And we want them to be able to call their peers to think or live differently as the times require. These are all very important elements and initiatives of education. I want my kids to be able to um, execute these important services well, and I think you probably do too. And that entails having students and, 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 and human beings growing who can think wisely, act virtuously, and persuade others um, toward, toward truth. So if this is resonating with you, if this idea of education from sort of a big picture point of view is resonating with you and you're still wondering whether you should do this, my next podcast is going to be looking at 10 benefits of educating your kids at home. 
So I hope you'll tune in for that next time. It'll be a little bit more practical, a little bit less big picture, but I think you will find it helpful as well as you contemplate this journey of mothering and parenting and raising these kids to know love and follow Christ. God's given you wonderful kids. He's given you an opportunity to raise them. You've got this, Mom, and I'm cheering you on. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Mom Matters, because moms equipped with vision and skills create a life of influence, impact, and legacy.